0: My dear, dear friend, do you remember when we first met?
1: Not exactly, but I know it was through work.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, what I do remember is that I thought you hated me <laughs> and that I somehow annoyed you all the time, but like that was just your face.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. So similarly, I don't remember our first interaction whatsoever. The only difference being is that You remembered my face, and yours seems to be forgettable. Wow. So not much has changed. Wow. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Starting off strong. (laughs) Gotta solidify how our relationship is, you know? Mm -hmm. Seriously, though, the reason I ask is that I'm fairly certain we went from being absolutely indifferent to each other for the longest time to being the best of buds. And now we have a podcast.
1: See, that part's
0: funny to me because
1: I can't pinpoint how that happened, how the friends thing happened.
0: I want to say it started when we started to send memes to each other at one in the morning. But mm, before yeah. before I forget, I think for the sake of making a very good first impression on everyone, we should probably introduce ourselves, go over what this podcast is all about, and break down what philotimo means for all the non-Greeks out there. My name is Maria Vassilio. I'm an advocate and practitioner of death literacy. Obviously. I've previously founded two grassroots organizations which focused on creating spaces for marginalized groups to share their stories. And my world mainly revolves around content. That includes being a communications and marketing specialist and a content strategist and creator myself. I've participated in a handful of art shows in the past. And depending on who you ask, I'm a photographer and collage artist. Man, it's really hard narrowing down who I am into like one word. It's one of my least favorite things to do. Yeah, I mean, that explains your identity
1: crisis.
0: (laughs) Yeah, please don't remind me. Wait, who are you again?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sure. uh, My name is Amo Somal. I'm Mm -hmm. a writer, digital content marketer, uh, humorist slash comedian, depending on how funny I am on that day. He's pretty funny. I met Maria when we both worked at a digital marketing agency called Truly. My academic background is a bachelor's degree in English literature from a city called Bath in the UK. I moved here to Canada, Toronto specifically, to pursue a career as a copywriter, basically.
0: I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Now I know.
1: Over the years, in my day job, I've taken on a more rounded content creator slash producer role with clients and with our in-house podcast and that kind of stuff. So... Basically, I'm here to make the funnies and keep Maria
0: on track. Yeah, you have no idea (laughs) and how much I appreciate that. We also thought that the subject of thanatology, which is the study of death and loss, would be much more digestible if you guys learned it along with ammo. The reason that I started this platform is kind of 25 years in the making, to be honest. My mom died when I was two, and in hindsight, I recognized that there was such a limited dialogue about it growing up. And it wasn't necessarily because I was uncomfortable about it. It was more so because people would get really weird about it really quickly whenever it was brought up. So it was more so other people getting uncomfortable as opposed to me. And also adults don't really like hearing a six-year-old running around saying that their mom is dead, let alone other little kids. The main reason I'm doing this is also to open up the dialogue, encourage the normalization of death literacy for everyone, yes, that also includes kids, and really push to have people rethink the way we look at death and dying, especially in the context of policy changes within the workplace. I think this will create a more compassionate world that encourages empathy and understanding of other people's perspectives. As I was ideating about phyloatumal life in the early stages, what the platform looks like, and interviewing people... Emma got looped in because of his own perspectives and opinions on death and dying. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Uh, sure. First thing I'd like to add is that my mom is not dead. <laughs> <laughs> FYI, this joke was actually Maria's idea, by the way, <laughs> no, not
0: me. You made it when we were joking around, and then I was like, put it in, and you were like, no, and I was like, just do it.
1: Okay, yeah, what she said. <laughs> Um, Everyone who knows me knows that I have a pretty dark sense of humour. I've always had a strange fascination with quote-unquote morbid subjects, so I never really grew out of my goth phase, I guess. (laughs) As a kid, I remember one of my teachers taking my mum aside and talking to her about all my gory drawings and stuff like that. Even now, my mum still mentions it. She's probably listening, so hi, mum.
0: Do you still have those with drawings?
1: I think they're lost to time. Um, if they haven't been, they have been confiscated.
0: Confiscating? Yeah. FBI has taken them. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Even so- though I've never lived in the States. It's that they're, dangerous. They're just they're, gory drawings, they're, they're lots listening. of
0: red pen. Nothing. I'd love to see them if they're somewhere, if they're up there. <laughs> At the time, what was your understanding of death? Like, what was your exposure to it, would you say? Hmm.
1: Well, whenever there was a death in the family, I almost feel that their instinct was to shield me and my older brother. Mm. So the first death I sort of remember was my nanaji, which in Punjabi means uh, my mum's dad, my granddad, Mm. or grandpa, whatever you want to use your white people terms. (laughs) But I was super young at that point, so less than 10 years old. I don't actually think I attended any kind of funeral or anything until I was easily in my mid-teens. Oh, wow. Yeah, so the whole hush-hush thing about death is pretty prevalent in my culture, yours, and most others. Mm -hmm. And then academically, the first time I saw detailed discussions about death was in uni. So Mm -hmm. I was learning Gothic literature under a world-renowned Gothic professor, and a Bram Stoker expert called William Hughes
0: who we have to have on the podcast by the way Oh absolutely absolutely how um how do you think this affected your outlook after like learning with him and learning gothic literature and everything So from learning
1: about death in lit I started to get into philosophy and existential nihilism and all that stuff that really complemented my edgy writer aesthetic. Ooh. Um,
0: It's not just a phase, mom.
1: No, no. Life is but a phase. (laughs) (laughs) And all of that kind of reignited my deeper beliefs about true meaning and darker subjects. So having said that, I'd like to clarify that we're not here to make fun of death. Death Mm -hmm. is traumatic. It tears families and groups apart. It's scary. It's it's horrible, right? But as with a lot of traumas, talking about it doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, Maria, I believe that humor in the right situations can open up conversations around darker subjects. Mm-hmm. And in my case, it actually helps me confront um, some of these subjects.
0: Yeah. And that's why we're here. And your ability to sometimes to inject humor into the situations where I'm like, there's no way you can turn this around. You're just, you have like this incredible ability. It's fantastic. It's called a need to be liked. I'm glad you had a rough childhood that turned you into this then.
1: My mom is listening. I had a very fair childhood.
0: (laughs) Are you saying that because she's listening?
1: Yes, but also (laughs) it's the truth. (laughs) So, speaking of philosophy and meaning, what does Philotima mean? It sounds like a perfume.
0: <laughs> Philotimo.
1: Unleash <laughs> your inner spartan.
0: Oh, is this an ASMR podcast now? Oh my God, can it be? That was so good. Philotimo. Um, number five. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Greek people. <laughs> it's fine, it's fine. To, to all my non-Greeks out there, I, yes, I do want to first say that philotomo is a Greek word, if you didn't catch on yet, and it directly translates to love of honor, though it's very hard to translate what it truly means because there's so many interpretations. The best way I can put it is that it's a way of living. So you lead with love, you always do the right thing for the people around you and for the greater genuine good of the world.
1: Hmm, sounds, uh, sounds noble, but how does that tie into death and dying?
0: A wonderful question. As much as this podcast is about literal death, when you talk about death, you're also inherently talking about life and what it means to live up until your death. Philotomo is a way of life, and I believe if we all lived in this way, we would have a lot more compassion towards each other, and it would result in having a lot more respect as it comes to talking about end-of-life care and needs. At the end of the day, I wanted to create something bigger than myself, and choosing the name Philotimo just felt right.
1: Wow. Nice. Yeah. So it's kind of like what I said about true meaning or lack of, in my opinion, opening up the discussion about darker stuff and looking it straight in the face and saying, okay, you, you don't make sense. Mm. You're scary, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Then you, you can choose your own meaning and it lets you worry about the things that matter to you more, like empathy, a better world,
0: yeah, exactly, exactly. And there's there's a couple of examples I can give. They're, I'm going to preface this by saying they're a little extreme. Uh, one of the examples, they both take place actually during World War II. The first example involves Mayor Lucas Carrer and Bishop Chrysostomos of the island of Zakynthos. My tongue hurts. They were ordered by a Nazi commander to give them a list of names of the Jewish people among them on the island. Any Greek hiding a Jewish person would be executed. Instead of preparing the list, the two men told the Jewish people to hide in the mountains. They returned to the commanders with a list. Two names were on it, and it was their own. They saved the lives of over 250 people because of that, and a lot of people refer to that act as acting with filotimo. Another example, again from World War II, is actually a day that Greeks celebrate on October 28th called Ohi Day. And Ohi means no in Greek. This is meant to commemorate the day that Metachas, the Greek prime minister at the time, refused Nazi entry into Greece by allegedly answering no when he requested. This led to the beginning of their participation in the war. This act is also considered to be one with philotimo in mind. I do want to note, that you can still act with filotimo without having to go to war. <laughs> this is typically the mentality that can be fostered in the types of values you lead with and how you show up for others, knowing that there may be nothing for you in return. So
1: we've got a unique premise for our podcast, but that's not saying much because everyone wants to be Joe Rogan these days. <laughs> so this creating something better than yourself, what do we want? this podcast to do in light of that?
0: Well, if we were to go through everything that I want to accomplish with this, this platform, not even this podcast, this platform in general, we can be here all day for a week. That being said, I will go through the three main goals that I have in mind that I would love to accomplish and that I'm hoping to accomplish with this platform. The first one involves policy changes as it comes to bereavement leaving Canada, first starting in Ontario. Got to walk before you can run. In a later episode, we actually go over what bereavement leave looks like, and let me tell you guys, it ain't looking too good. I want to change how long people are able to take off work following a loss and who they are essentially entitled to mourn. Yes, I said that right. Who are they essentially entitled to mourn? The second goal is to implement a curriculum in school that champions emotional intelligence in kids, which will also have a component of death literacy. Ideally, this type of curriculum will just be ingrained into how kids are generally taught, but again, baby steps. The example that I use when explaining this goal is take a kid and they're freaking out, they're super angry, and they throw a toy against a wall. Knee-jerk reaction typically from parents or teachers will be to just tell them to stop and then it's the end of the story. I want us to get to a point where the knee-jerk reaction is to actually ask the kid, hey, what's going on? And eventually help them identify their emotions and explain what they're thinking so they're able to process what's happening in their brain. We are so... Focus now on essentially re educating adults on how to be more empathetic and label their emotions and understand what they themselves are going through. Mm. That we seem to, for whatever reason, forget that these skills are fostered when we're children. And I would say it's a lot easier to start off with kids and getting them down on that path as opposed to trying to get adults to rewire their brain. That's so essentially, it, yeah, essentially, I want there to be better adults in the future.
1: Well, you gotta get them while they're young, right? Because you, you, the mm-hmm. world's gonna chew them up, spit them out, and they'll be terrible people like you and me.
0: Yeah, exactly. You gotta indoctrinate yeah. them early, is what That's we're getting it. at. Hey, Timmy. <laughs> what's wrong, Timmy? Why is it always Timmy? It's always Timmy's picked on that name. I don't,
1: yeah. Just, but it
0: works. Sorry, Timmy. It's Timmy's the go to name.
1: Sorry, Timmy. Yeah. But Timmy, what's wrong? You just threw a toy against a wall. My teacher just told me
0: I was gonna die <laughs> one day. <laughs> And that's okay. And it's true.
1: That's the key. Part. Yeah,
0: exactly. There's actually an app that Ammo showed me, I want to say a year or two ago. I don't even remember. It's called We Croak, And this app, depending on your settings, it sends you a push notification of essentially a reminder that says, hey, you're going to die. And the premise of it is that the more often you're reminded of this fact, the more at peace you are.
1: Yeah, I recommended it to you because mm-hmm. I remember that you were stressed about something.
0: Mm-hmm. And, typical, typical.
1: Yeah. <laughs> on And whenever, if I'm stressed and that message pops up on my phone, mm. it says, hey, don't forget you're going to die. Right. It's just mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, none of this matters. This is great. Yeah. I can just, I can go on with my day, get whatever is stressing me out done and then enjoy myself afterwards.
0: And just relax. Yeah, no pressure. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I get it. I get it. Um, One of my favorite apps. So thank you for showing it to me. The final goal, I'm going to be honest, it's a little bit selfish. It's kind of a little bit selfish. Growing up, I was part of a mentorship program. Very general. It was just for any kid that wanted to be a part of it. My mentor, her name was Eve Simpson. I was put into this program, or I should say I was very strongly encouraged to be put into this program by one of my teachers because I didn't have a mom. And I want there to be a school mentorship program created specifically for kids under the age of 18 for those who have lost a parent. I still remember going on trips with Eve in elementary and middle school, and it was just so lovely to be able to talk to her once a week and have those experiences with her. I want to make sure other kids who have lost a parent have that support for them too all these goals essentially come down to creating a society with more emotionally aware and mature adults. Sounds good. Um, I
1: am curious about you growing up. Mm, What was the reaction from other kids uh, and other adults, actually, when you would say, actually, my mom passed away?
0: I remember this once incident in particular, and it was this time where I'm giving a story. This is a story time with Maria. And we were given crayons and pencils to draw one time. I think it was in kindergarten or grade one or something. And I was super excited, super pumped up. I wanted to draw my family. So I drew... I still remember the, the, the drawing. I don't have it. I was looking for it actually recently. Couldn't find it. But there was a little house. There was a little dog. We didn't have a dog. I don't know why I drew it. I, I think I just wanted a dog. There were yeah. clouds in the sky. There was a the sun. And I drew my mom my dad and me and I remember the kid, this kid coming up behind me and he was like looking at the photo, the the painting or the drawing that I had just created and he looked at it, he's like who's that and he was pointing at my mom and I was like oh that's my mom and he just like kind of looked and he was like why is she in the sky And I remember I was like, oh, cause she's dead. She's in heaven. And I don't remember his reaction, but I don't remember anything after that. Like there was no other dialogue that I recall. I'm pretty sure he probably was just like, what? And just like walked away. So being younger and just being aware of that, it was, I was like, I was in a totally different headspace than other kids. Um, and in future episodes, we'll also talk about how a death can impact kids. It just you just feel the best way I can describe it is you feel a little bit more mature, like hmm. you've seen some shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. It, and then as I got older, the response would be somewhat intrusive, depending on the situation, asking how it happened, Jeez. when did it happen, um, just very off-putting. And it's because, like in hindsight, it's because no one really knows no one was taught how to respond no one was yep. taught how to like manage those conversations right and it's unfortunate it sucks that being said i also think of it as when someone goes through a birth and this may be an extreme example there's so much support and love typically given to the person giving birth mm-hmm. when it comes to dying everyone's so hush hush about it
1: mm.
0: like it's 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 a transition like, bringing life in and then life leaving. Like, it's it's going to happen to everyone. Um, so I, I want to say just encouraging that dialogue. It has to happen. It's a, it's yeah. a part of life. I
1: remember there was an interview with, um, I think it was on a catwalk with uh, Matthew McConaughey. And mm-hmm. um, somebody that he acted in a film with had just passed away. And how he found out, was the interviewer asking him what he felt.
0: Oh, my God. And
1: his reaction, he the word just really stuck with me. He just says, "Um, obviously, he was like, all right, all right, all right. But he, he was not all right with that fact. But yeah, he basically said something along the lines of like, he's moved on, like that he's moved on, not mm. he's dead, he's this, he's that. Yeah. He's
0: Like, that's such a cool way of looking at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, this platform, this podcast is going to be talking about Is there something afterwards? What about is there something before? We don't know. It's very agnostic in its approach. Mm -hmm. Um, And we want to make sure that that's very clear from the get-go. We can finish off this first episode going over some of the stuff we're going to touch on. Next episode, we're going to touch on what thanatology actually is. You're going to hear me mispronounce that word multiple times. (laughs) From there, we'll touch on all sorts of things like some really interesting perspectives on death from ancient cultures, the absolute bonkers bereavement workplace laws, which is going to annoy me. It's going to annoy ammo, probably going to annoy you too. We'll also take a look at a sort of timeline of Western attitudes to death. What's changed? What hasn't? What's improved? Not much. Going to spoil that for you right now. So don't miss that one. We'll even look at models of grief. There's more than just the five stages that you know of. And even then, those stages do not work in the way you think they do or in the order you think, for that matter.
1: Ooh. Introduction to death. Death 101. Mm -hmm. I can't wait.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Life. You can find us online at Life. That's P-H-I-L-O-T-I-M-O-L-I-F-E. Remember to subscribe now to join us as we breathe some life into the conversation around death.